dreams. Verse 18, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. This was not a conspiracy theory. This was the real thing. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Now, to call that a strong reaction would be an understatement, wouldn't it? His brothers hated him. His brothers at this time plan cold-blooded, premeditated murder. We're going to kill our brother, and then we'll see what will become of all these dreams he has dreamed. Put yourself in their place. He says, you guys are going to bow down at my feet in the dirt and worship. How would you respond if your brother said that to you? If your sister said that to you? We'll see what will become of his dreams. Verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph. Israel's Jacob. Remember God changed his name to Israel and throughout the scriptures one time he's called Israel the other time he's called Jacob. Here he's called Israel. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Now what I think is interesting is Jacob was raised in a home where his father loved his brother more than he did him. And one would think that he had learned from that. Instead of learning from it, he became worse. And humanly speaking, he was to blame for this toxic environment that was in this highly dysfunctional home. He showed extreme favoritism to Joseph over the rest of his brothers. No wonder they hated him for his dreams. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. This was a long tunic, I read, that covered him, made of many collars that signified him being the father's favorite. And every time these brothers saw him, they were reminded he's the father's favorite. 
my father loves Joseph more than he loves me. Now you can bet that this created some hostility and we're going to see why wouldn't it? Verse 4, And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, what? They hated him. They despised him. Not only did they hate him, they could not speak peaceably to him. They lacked the ability to have anything but hostile language toward him. They hated him. Now, think of their feelings toward him before he tells them these dreams. How are they going to feel after he tells them these dreams? Verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it, his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. However bad they hated him before this dream, which was pretty bad, they hated him even more after he told them this dream. Now let's look at the contents of this dream. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaf arose. And also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obedience to my sheaf. Your sheaf bowed down in the dirt and worshipped my sheaf. Now that's exactly what he's saying. And you can imagine how this went over. Verse 8, and his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. But he doesn't stop. Verse 9. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren. And said, Behold, I've dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obedience to me. The created universe, the sun, the stars, bow down before me. And I love the numbers he uses. The two, the sun and the moon, represent his mom and dad. The eleven stars represent his eleven brothers. Everybody is going to bow down before me. Now you can imagine the outrage that this brought on by his brothers. But what I love to remember is this is the Lord Jesus speaking. Yes, it's Joseph. But this is given to picture the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we think of just Joseph saying this. I would have got mad too. Who do you think you are? You think I'm going to bow before you? What makes you think you're so great? We'd say that to anybody who did that. But if the Lord says this, yeah, he could say without arrogance, I don't know that Joseph was saying this 
totally without arrogance. I mean, uh, maybe he was kind of digging it into his brothers. I don't know. But uh, when the Lord says this, he says without arrogance, yes, everyone will bow before me. Verse 10, he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee in the earth? Yep. <laughs> you will. Now in this story, we see the response of every natural man to the dominion of Christ. Look in verse 18 again. And when they saw him afar off, this one who had given these dreams, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we'll say some evil beast hath devoured him. We'll all, this is our alibi, and we shall see what will come become of his dreams. This is the same thing that men said with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ. We will not have this man to reign over us. We'll not have it. For what office did they condemn the Lord Jesus Christ? Was it for being a prophet? Was it for being a priest? Was it for being a miracle worker? Healing the sick? Feeding the hungry? Raising the dead? No, that's not why they crucified him. What was his accusation that was written over his head as he hung from the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the King, the King of the Jews, the absolute monarch who rules and reigns. Now, look back up in verse 1, or verse 2, rather. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, a, seven, a teenager, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. They were the two concubines. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, we don't know what these four brothers were doing, but it was something bad. It was something bad. And Joseph tells his father Jacob about what they were doing. Now, I do not suggest uh, us becoming tattletales and rats and so on, and that's what people would think of this, but what this is doing is showing the distinction between Joseph and his brothers. Joseph's good. They're bad. It's that simple. If Joseph brings an evil report with regard to you, how accurate would it be? Anything he said with regard to you, 
If he brought the evil port, report concerning you, how accurate would it be? It'd be accurate, whether you know it or not. It'd be accurate. Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Now this speaks of Christ being the eternal son of God. He is the son of God's old age. Now when we talk about the old age of God, Age doesn't describe his age because he never began to be. He's eternal. He's the eternal God. He's always been. And Christ Jesus is the son of his eternity. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God as a distinct person, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was, eternally was, in the beginning with God. He is the eternal I am that I am. He's the eternal Son of the Father. And oh, how the Father loves the Son. This is my beloved son. This is what God has to say about his son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The coat of many colors that Joseph wore represents the many perfections of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in this coat... We have all the perfections of the Godhead. You know, the scripture says, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. Fullness of holiness. Fullness of absolute justice. Fullness of grace. Fullness of love. Fullness of sovereignty. Fullness of power, omnipotence. Fullness of independence, whatever attribute God has, dwells in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a glorious person in his coat of many colors. Listen to how the writer to the Hebrews described his excellency and glory. He is the one whom God hath appointed heir of all things. That means he owns everything. I love thinking about this. That breath you just breathed, that's his air. He allowed you to breathe it. And the only reason you're alive right now is his will. He's the heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He's the creator. Who, being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of of his person upholding all things by the word of his power. When he by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty 
on high. Verse 4, and this is the natural man's uh, reaction to Jesus Christ, God's Son. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, two things are said about him. They hated him. And they could not speak peaceably to him. They hated him. Now, is anyone thinking, I don't hate Jesus Christ. I can't say that I positively hate him. Well, to not love Adore and worship him is to hate him. Let me repeat that. To not love. And I mean he's the object of your greatest love. To not adore and worship him is to hate him. Now it's true that men don't hate a Christ over whom they have some control. Nobody hates that Christ. That Christ who can't do anything unless you of your free will allow him to do something. Nobody hates that Christ. Nobody's scared of that Christ. Nobody really has any respect for that Christ. I mean, he, you know, I, he can't do anything without me. The only problem with that is that Christ doesn't exist. The Christ of the Bible is the one in whose hands you are and he can do with you whatever he is pleased to do. That is the Christ who is. You're in his hands right now. Your eternal destiny, listen to this, your eternal destiny, whether you'll spend eternity in heaven worshiping him or in hell, That's the Christ you and I are to deal with. And this is the Christ the brothers hated so bad. They saw he's the father's favorite. And the scripture says they hated him. Now, let me tell you this about me and you. You're not going to look within to find out about your hatred of Christ. The only way you can find out what you're really like, how God sees you, is the cross. The one time... Men were allowed to do what they wanted to do. What did they do? They nailed Jesus Christ to a cross. And my dear friend, that's you. No, it's not. Somebody thinks, yeah, it is. God says it is. That's me. If you want to find out how you really feel by nature about the Lord Jesus Christ, look to the cross. And this is what God holds every one of us responsible for. We've killed his son. That's hatred. Not only is this hatred for him, it says they could not. It doesn't say they would not. It said they could not. They hated him so bad, they lacked the ability to speak peaceably into him. They couldn't do it. And this speaks of man's depravity, my depravity, your depravity, actually hating him who is altogether lovely. And inability. This hatred is such that we're unable to even speak peaceably unto him. Total depravity. 
You and I are, by nature, totally under the dominion of sin. Total depravity and complete inability. We cannot speak peaceably to him. We, we can't. Not by nature. God's going to have to do something for us. If he leaves us to ourselves, we can't speak peaceably to him. You know, the Lord said, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him. The carnal mind, that's the mind you were born with, is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now that's the condition of these brothers. Somebody says, well, how could it be fair for God to judge me if I'm unable to um, love him? It's not my fault if I'm unable. That's kind of like somebody saying, well, I hate your son so much, I'm unable to do anything but murder him. Therefore, I ought to get off the hook. <laughs> Doesn't work that way, does it? Doesn't work that way at all. They could not speak peaceably unto him. Verse 5. Now they hated him before he told this dream. Now look. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obedience to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams. Now what? is being taught is the absolute sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Ironically, when they say, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, and shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? Turn to a moment to Genesis 42. This happened some years later. Verse 5, And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. <laughs> Joseph's dream came true, didn't it? And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. They didn't know who he was. And said unto him, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Joseph remembered the dreams, which he dreamed of them. Do you remember that dream that they hated him for? And there they are, bowing before him. Now, everybody in this room and everybody outside of this room is going to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now you will bow now or later, willingly now, unwillingly later, but bow you shall. God's determined it. Everybody is going to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these dreams that Joseph have teach us of the absolute sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now hold your finger there in Genesis 37 and turn with me to John chapter 5. Verse 21. For as the Father raises up the dead, this is Christ speaking. He's speaking of his Father. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so, in the same manner, the Son quickens, the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father gives life to whom he will. The Son gives life to whom he will. Look in verse 18. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but he said also that God was his Father making himself equal with God. Now here was their issue. You're saying that you are equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For whatsoever things, soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. I do exactly what the Father does. I and my Father are one. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. For as the Father raises up the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Yes, Reuben, Levi, Simeon, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin. He's your king. He does rule and reign over you and you are in his hand for him to do with you whatever he's pleased to do that is who Jesus Christ is question is that good news to you or is that bad news The fact that you're in Christ's hand right now and he can do with you whatever he's pleased to do, is that good news or is that bad news? It's good news if you cannot save yourself. 
He can will your salvation. He can do that. That's because of who he is. You know, that leper understood that very clearly. When he came up and worshipped the Lord and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I am utterly and completely in your hand as to whether or not I'll be clean. It's 100% up to you. If you will, you can make me clean. I can't make myself clean. I'm overall defiled and sinful. But if you will, you can make me clean. Now, if you think you can save yourself, you don't like this. Because your hope is found in something you can do. And if your hope is found in something you can do and you find out that that can't save you, your salvation's up to him, you don't like that. You're like the brothers. Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Yeah. He will. Christ's reign. His absolute Sovereign reign over creation, providence, and salvation. Jesus Christ created the universe. Jesus Christ is Lord over every event. There's nothing that happens that he is in not absolute control of. Christ is Lord of salvation. If you're saved, it will be because he willed your salvation. I'm going to read in closing some scriptures with regard to the Lord reigning. Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Shalt thou have dominion over us? Now you can understand why these big brothers were so disgusted by the little brother's uh, claim. But remember, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ now. This is given to picture the glory, the absolute sovereignty of the man, Christ Jesus, God's darling son. Psalm 93, 1 says, The Lord reigneth. He's clothed with majesty and strength. Daniel 4, verses 34 and 35 says, His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation. He was reigning in that generation. He's reigning in this generation right now. He'll always reign. And all, listen to this, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. Or say unto him, what doest thou? Give an account for yourself. He doesn't answer to you. He doesn't answer to me. He answers to himself. He's God. All his works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. If in your heart you rebel against this, He's able to abase you and make you rejoice in this. Psalm 47, verse 8 says, God reigneth over the heathen. Those who do not believe, 
He reigns over them. Romans 14.9 says he's the Lord both of the dead and the living. That man who's dead in sins, he's their Lord. That man who lives, oh, he's their Lord. By me, he said, kings reign. He is a complete sovereign. He is completely sovereign. God reigneth over the heathen. He's completely sovereign over all of the free and uncoerced actions of men and devils. That's how much he reigns. Psalm 96.10 says, Say ye among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. This is what the unbeliever needs to hear. A God who really is God. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? David replies, Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Psalm 97.1 says, The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. I love his reign. I love his reign. I think of the fearful implications of this not being so. I don't want to be anywhere where he doesn't reign to you. There's no safety in that place. He reigns. Psalm 99.1 says, The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. Now listen to me. You will only worship a sovereign God over whom you have no control. If you can control him, if you can manipulate him in any way, you won't worship him. You only worship an absolute sovereign over whom you have no control. You know what you do? You bow. I want you to turn to this one, Psalm 50, Isaiah 52. Verse 7, Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publishes peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, what? Thy God reigneth. One last scripture. Turn to Romans 5. With this concept of reign. Absolute control. Verse 20. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now, if you can look at any commandment of God and say, well, I've tolerably kept that one, you don't know what the law of God means in any way. The law entered that your offense, my offense, might abound and overflow so that when you see what the law says, you see that you're a place 
where sin just bubbles up and abounds over, and that's all you are. Do you see none? The law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, before I finish reading that, are you a place where sin abounds? Where sin abounded, grace Saving grace, the grace of God, did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death. Now there's that word reign. Remember they said, will you reign over us? Reign. That means absolute control. How much ability or power do you have to prevent death? None. If you... There's nothing you can do to prevent death. You're going to die. Maybe today, maybe 50 years from now, but you're going to die. And there's nothing you can do to prevent it. Death has reign over you. Uh, That's just so. That as sin hath reigned unto death, in the same manner might grace reign. Now, you don't have any choice. You're going to die. But if God gives you his grace, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Just like you can't stop death, you can't stop grace. Isn't that great? Grace reigns. You can't stop it. If God purposes your salvation, saved you must be. And notice it says his grace reigns through righteousness. It's righteous grace. It's a grace that glorifies the righteousness of God. Through that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness, the righteousness of Christ being yours unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, yes, he will reign over you. Hate it or say, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm in your hands. Save me for Christ's sake. May I be found in him. May the Lord give us each the grace to cry out to this sovereign one who does reign. Lord, save me. Now listen to me. There's never been anybody in the history of the universe that asked for mercy that he turned down. This one who's sovereign, he's gracious, he delights in mercy, he delights in saving sinners. If you come as a sinner seeking his grace, you have it. Let's pray. Lord, we ask in the high and holy name of your son that you would bless this message and Lord, cause us to rejoice in the reign of thy son and find our salvation in him who cannot fail. Lord, we know because of who he is, 
there's power in his blood to wash away all sin. And we ask that we might be enabled to be just like that leper saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And that we would hear those words in our heart, I will be thou clean. In Christ's name we pray.